All episodes of the Real Women in Business podcast reflect the opinions and views of the guest and Cass McCrory and do not reflect official policy or position of employers or clients. Thank you. You're listening to the Real Women in Business podcast. I'm your host, Cass McCrory, and in this podcast, we highlight women in all kinds of businesses. For yourself, someone else, full-time, part-time, overtime hustle, Together, we will learn from and with one another. And if we get it right, it'll lift us all. Let's get into it. Friends, today we're talking to Nancy Murphy. She is the CEO and founder of CSR Communications. She runs the Entrepreneur's Influence Lab. And in this conversation, we talk about what it means to be an entrepreneur within your organization and how you can set yourself up to have greater success. I think this is a perfect episode to listen to as we wrap up this year. We talk about this kind of obvious but wildly awesome phrase that Nancy shared, action without reflection is wasted energy. And as we've all kind of come to the end of 2021, perhaps with emptier gas tanks than we intended, it's a really strong and powerful time to reflect and learn. And you're going to do that today with Nancy. Let's get into it. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Cass. Tell us a little bit about who you are and the work you do in the world. I am the founder and CEO of CSR Communications and creator of the Intrapreneurs Influence Lab. And there we help organizations make change that sticks. And I kind of came to this work because I was that serial intrapreneur leading change within large established organizations, starting probably from my Catholic schoolgirl days in elementary school, where I was challenging the stereotypes and kind of messages that we were getting as girls about girls, but also that all of us, including the boys, were getting and sort of kept on that journey ever since. I love this looking at the entrepreneur's journey Mm. because it can be really challenging to be within an organization and butt up against the, that's not how we do things here, energy. To say, hey, wait a minute, we can do it different and here is how, and I'd like to be a part of that. How has the pandemic helped entrepreneurs thrive? Hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's, if this is, has helped entrepreneurs thrive, (laughs) but I think it's helped crack open some doors or widen the cracks that were there for entrepreneurs to step in and maybe have a little bit Um, more influence or be heard in different ways. So not just the pandemic itself, but all of the the challenges and opportunities that the pandemic has shed light on, right? So while we might've had entrepreneurs striving, working to make their organizations more diverse, equitable, and inclusive before, Now we're having different kinds of conversations. There's more awareness, there's more attention, there's more opportunity. 
Um, doesn't mean that work is any easier, but it means that at least we might be able to get a little more traction. Same thing around the climate crisis, right? That has really um, emerged as a different kind of issue, a different kind of conversation we're having about the issue. So, or leaders who were trying to make their organizations more sustainable, eliminate single-use plastics, accelerate net zero commitments, things like that are now getting a little more attention, having a little more influence, having more realistic conversations inside their organizations. Those who are trying to make workplaces more um, sustainable for women <laughs> in the, the, all the competing interests and priorities that we have to balance in our lives are again, having um, better, richer, more productive conversations inside their organizations. That feels spot on, hmm. right? Like the, the pandemic has really shown and made the pain points more visible, like where there was weakness, it's been like, oh, we have to, we have to handle that. So it's created this wider opportunity. I love the way that you phrased that to invite opportunities for solution. I think though, one of the challenges with that, so this is why I sort of say, I don't know if it's made entrepreneurs thrive necessarily, because the challenge I've seen in the last year and a half is we're getting a lot of grand gestures around these issues from companies and organizations, right? We're getting the declarations, the proclamations, the press conferences, the new positions, Intrapreneurs are, I call them the unsung heroes of organizational change because they're the ones who come in after the grand gesture and do the small sustained strategic action that actually makes change stick. So I think in some ways now we're having organizations make these grand gestures or these bold proclamations and then the entrepreneurs like, whoa, now I got to figure out how to make this real. And so it can be a little bit of a tension there. Yeah, I think the tension between what's real, what's realistic, and what's been promised. Yeah. That's how is how can people that are in this space of fulfilling the promises of grand mm. gestures, like how do they how do they do that? Like, I know that was a long pause, <laughs> but I've been thinking, I, I'll Big give you a question, real life example, <laughs> right? So, yeah. I mean, I've, I've signed up for a project a time or two in my life where it was like, this is what we want. And here are the pieces that we're going to give you so that we can reach that outcome. Yeah. And then I get there and of the pieces that they promised that can go in, uh, like one of the five are there. And so yeah. now it's on the entrepreneur to say, you have all of these missing pieces in order for this to be successful. How do we advocate for ourselves in that situation? Because I feel like that feels very net zero grand gesture to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do we navigate that? Well... I don't know that I have the short answer. Well, let me get the, so the short answer is we become more influential. 
Um, And the long answer is, you know, we work with teams inside organizations over the course of a few years to teach them how to do that. Or we have leaders in our entrepreneurs influence lab to teach them how to do that. And I can share absolutely, you know, a few nuggets here today, but it's not, um, there's, you know, unfortunately there's no magic pill or silver bullet or whatever analogy you want to say, but it is learning to become more influential. And the way, some of the ways in which we do that inside large organizations are, you know, understanding the power centers. And some of those are formal authority power centers and some are not. Some, you know, there's lots of informal power centers inside our organizations. Some of that is understanding the individual decision makers' own motivations, dreams, desires, fears, and anxieties, and being able to speak to them. One simple quick thing I share with leaders all the time is oftentimes we start with, here's what I need from you. You promised me these five things to make this project happen. I've got one. I need the other four. Instead of starting with, how can I help you, Cass, get what you need in this scenario? And in doing so, I will get what I need. And sometimes it's not as blunt as asking that question, but it's a mindset flip. Right. So, you know, hey, Cash, you we we agreed that these five components were necessary for whatever. Um, like, you know, tell me what what competing resource um, commitments you're trying to balance right now. You know, can we maybe we sequence these things differently or, you know, what's the number one priority you've got from the CEO? Oh, OK. You know what? If we actually move forward on this, I think this could help you get there faster. Right. So it's sort of understanding, starting with the perspective of the other person, because otherwise we're both like stuck in our own spaces and we're never going to cross the divide. This feels very Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. And <laughs> sure. that it's very rarely about what we need. It's by giving other people what they need, we will naturally get what we need. Uh, absolutely. You mentioned how work has shifted in this being sustainable for women. Hmm. And it felt like there was more in that to dig into. Hmm. Of the women that are a part of your entrepreneur's influence lab, where are you seeing them advocate for what they need? Where are you not seeing them advocate for what they need? So that we can look at that and say, oh, for me, yeah, I don't need that. That's good. Hmm. Or, oh, wow. Nancy just named something Hmm. that feels really tender. Hmm. So we, we've got a group in our current cohort, which is almost all women. So it is a fascinating dynamic, right? So we, and we just had um, our weekly session together yesterday. So a lot of this is fresh in my mind. So I think, um, I think it, at least amongst that group, I'm seeing, and, and some of our other clients, I'm seeing that um, knowing our own skills and expertise and advocating for kind of the technical opportunities based on that, 
I think women have gotten at least the ones, you know, I'm not going to speak for all women, right? This is not a formal research study, but the anecdotal evidence of those in my inner circle is I'm pretty confident and comfortable advocating for, you know, this role because I've got the expertise and the experience to do it, whether that's a new role outside their organization or an opportunity inside. I think they're starting to get a little more comfortable advocating for boundaries. That has changed a lot in the last year. You know, things like uh, we're scheduling a meeting, how's four o'clock? I'm sorry, that's outside of my normal work hours. Yes. You know, so I'm, I'm observing a lot more of that. Where I think we had a, a conversation yesterday about the challenge of, I've now advocated successfully to get a seat at the table. So that's, I'd say, still a little like iffy for some women. But those who've advocated successfully to get a seat at the table, I'm still not entirely confident or comfortable advocating for my voice to have equal weight or to know what to do when I feel like I've made a really good case for a policy or a decision and the opposite is what's happening. So it's that subtle thing like, okay, we've now got a seat at the table. So at least we're in the room. At least the decision-making isn't happening in a black box that I don't understand anymore. And I can raise a perspective that might otherwise be overlooked. But I'm still not sure my voice has the weight, the credibility, the influence that I hoped it would have. And I don't know what to do when I see the results of that not being true. There is something really interesting about that because getting a seat at the table was a goal. Right. And there's kind of this implied belief that it's just the seat mm. that you needed. Mm. But it's so much more than that. Yeah, because which seat is it, right? We all know and at any table, there are power seats and there are other seats. <laughs> yes. I think that it, it strikes me as one of those senioritis feelings. Like when I was in ninth grade, I saw the seniors and I was like, wow, they're huge. They know everything. Mm. Then I got to be a senior and I was like, why don't I feel like that? <laughs> and then the same thing happens in college. And then you get into the work world and you're like, wow, I have 20 years of experience. I am the same age and seniority level that my boss's boss's boss was when I started out in the mm. world and they knew what was going on. And I don't. It's got yep. that element of whose job is it to believe and to have your seat be the power seat? Well, so I will tell you, I, and this is, this is one of the things I, 
I have to remind myself, and I think it's helpful that I'm nudging others all the time to do it. So it's a good reminder to me is it's our responsibility, right? That's the only thing we can control is how we show up, the confidence we muster in ourselves by doing it scared, by doing it uncertain, that will only help build, right? By taking the risk and then reflecting on what happens when we do and what we can learn from it. I I just this morning put out an article around 10 questions we can ask ourselves before year end. And I am a big proponent of, you know, reflection without action is sort of that wasted insight. Action without reflection is wasted energy. And so when we take those risks, and we learn, we reflect, you know, when we, when we get a seat at the table, but our voice isn't heard as, or respected or considered at the level we expected. Okay. Take some reflection time. What am I learning from this? How do I get beyond the frustration? How do I become more influential? What am I observing about those whose voices are most influential or are most heard, listened to? Not that I want to become that, but what can I learn from it that I can incorporate into my own natural style and approach to be slightly more effective? So, you know, that's the only thing we can control in this dynamic. So I'm a big proponent of it's my responsibility to get the seat at the table. If I can't get a seat at the tables I want, then I create my own table. <laughs> if I get a seat at the table and my voice isn't listened to to the extent that I want, okay, what can I learn about how to be more influential? I want to just highlight and underline and put it on a billboard, but this action without reflection is wasted energy. The intentionality that reflection automatically just kind of brings to the table Mm. is so important because if we've been feeling burnt out or wrung out Mm. in our energy, then we have to look at that constructively and say, there's something for me to learn about how I've been spending my energy and bringing in that reflective questioning. That feels so important. Yes. And I, I feel like, especially this time of year, we either want to default to the total veg out, chill out, or we kind of shift from one type of busyness to the other, or we obsess over that to-do list at the end so we can finish the year with a, and it just feels very um, spinny to me and, and sort of unproductive. And this can be such a powerful moment before we jump back into, you know, the next set of priorities and whatever to, um, to really take that, that moment to pause And I think it's something, especially for those entrepreneurs leading big change inside organizations, there will always be frustration. There will always be a longer to-do list. There will always be the next set of priorities, the next rung on the ladder to climb, the next challenge to overcome. And I just feel like we're not going to be as effective as the world needs us to be (laughs) without that reflection and intentional action. Otherwise, it's just this tornado energy. I love that. I know we've covered a lot of ground, Nancy. Is there anything that you were hoping to share today that we haven't yet dived into? Maybe just one concept that kind of ties a lot of these pieces together that we've been talking about from the 
opportunity of the last 18 months to open those doors a little wider, widen those cracks for entrepreneurs to the questions about women leaders um, and how to help them get more um, visibility and sustainability inside organizations to this reflective moment. And that is something I teach all the time, this concept of artifacts. So now is a perfect time as part of your reflection to go on that archeological dig for all the things that get left behind when we move forward with change that tell us who and what we value, what matters and how things really get done around here. And oftentimes they conflict with the change we want. And if we don't identify them, if we don't unearth them, and if we don't lay down the new artifacts aligned with the change we want, the change is gonna stall and peter out. It just is, I've seen it time and time again. And that can be everything from saying, an organization saying, we're, we're struggling to retain women leaders. We don't understand what's going on. I go in with my team, we take a look around, we observe some stuff and we go, huh, all your senior leaders team meetings start at 7.30 in the morning. Every staff meeting starts with a shout out. Hey, Cass, huge thanks to you and your entire team for working around the clock last week on that big proposal, amazing job. And they're like, yeah, what's wrong with that? We're celebrating people. We're doing the leaders meetings before everybody gets into their day. We're making it easy for them. Like, no, you're sending subtle signals, right? You've made this commitment to retaining women leaders, but you left behind all these artifacts that send the signal. I can't have the life, family commitments, family responsibilities that I want and be a leader in this organization. So it's a great time to do that archeological dig and see what artifacts you've left behind that might conflict with the change you want. And when we think about artifacts, I think the example is super helpful because I was, I was not completely grasping like what we're talking about. We're, but we're talking about things in our calendar, things on our to-do list that are remnants yes. from before change to say, okay, I'm still doing this thing that is not in alignment with my vision for the future. Why is that? How can it change so that the vision can happen faster? Yeah. Or it could be, um, you know, if we're talking about even personal change, like artifacts don't, aren't necessarily just, they can be anything that sends, sends a signal. So if the artifact, if the behavior is, you know, I want to um, have a healthier lifestyle. So I want to exercise more, right? This is one of those things we all do at the beginning of the year. But the artifacts are you've got um, a pre-built uh, grocery list in your phone on some app or something, right? And the pre-built grocery list includes a whole bunch of things at the top of the list that are not healthy, that sort of automatically get added to your cart, right? Yeah. Well, that's gonna be hard. Then you gotta go in there and uncheck them or whatever, right? Build and lay down a new artifact, build a new grocery list that starts with the healthy things and maybe includes one you know, treat or something, right? So it's those little subtle things that are just sending our brains these unconscious signals that 
no, you really didn't mean you wanted to live healthier this year, <laughs> you know, because look, you're not, you're not all the signals I'm getting tell me the opposite, or you want to want me to be healthy, but all the processes, checklists, protocols are designed for me to be unhealthy. So you're making it so darn hard. There's too much friction here. So yes. I just default to the old ways of doing things, right? Yes. I, I feel like friction and hurdles, that language can really help people identify, okay, so this is not an alignment. This is friction to my goal. How do I look at that from a lens of reflection, not judgment to yes. say, how do I, how do I do better? Yeah. Cause I can choose, right? I can yes. choose. Oh, Nancy, I love this. Tell everybody where they can find you and your work. Our website is csrcommunications.com. And if you put in forward slash weekly, you can sign up for our weekly actionable gems for influential entrepreneurs. They're consumable content in two minutes or less because nobody has time for anything more these days. So would love to see folks do that. And you can find me at Nancy A. Murphy on LinkedIn. We're very active there and would love to connect with folks there as well. Nancy, I love this. We're going to get into the lightning round of questions. What is the go-to song you listen to when you want to up your energy? Ah, I sort of choose a new one every year, depending on what my word of the year is. So this year, my word is shine and walking on sunshine has been my song all year. <laughs> love it. What time do you wake up? 5.30. What does breakfast look like? If I'm in a rush, I hope I have some overnight oats in the refrigerator. <laughs> um, otherwise, I'm a big egg white omelet with whatever veggies I've got in the fridge. Do you have a favorite ritual? Yes. My, um, I call it my mass of the mind on Sundays. So my Catholic schoolgirl. I don't go into church anymore. I do my mass of the mind, which um, is a lot of like podcast listening, journaling, um, maybe a walk to the farmer's market while I'm listening to the podcast and my weekly catalyst, which is my the planning tool I kind of created for myself where I reflect on the week before and plan my priorities for the week ahead. What you've given or recommended the most? The Practicing Mind. Um, I think it's Thomas Sterner. It's a short, quick read. And it's, I mean, you can probably tell by a lot of the things I've shared that I'm a big fan of practice. For me, practice equals results. So the book I give the most is The Practicing Mind. What are you doing imperfectly and with great joy? <laughs> For the last 13 months, it's been guesting on podcasts like this. <laughs> awesome. I jumped in, like totally took a giant leap in and have learned a lot. It's been a lot of fun because I'm meeting fabulous people like you and getting to learn about lots of fun, new podcasts, but it definitely imperfectly. <laughs> Love that. Nancy, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. A fun conversation, Cass. Thanks for listening today. I would love your review. Wherever you've listened to this podcast, head on back to that podcast app and give us a five-star review. It will help this episode and all future episodes reach more amazing people just like you.